0: welcome to an original series the podcast celebrating our favorite tv shows behind the paywall i patch one of your co-hosts and with me as always Celebrating the world of long-form storytelling is my friend and co-host, Adam.
1: How's it going? It's good. It's good
0: (laughs) to be here and talk to you. And We pre-gamed a little bit before we started this recording talking about paywall television and how it's just becoming essentially its own world of cable. So if you're buying a bunch of uh, subscriptions to paywall stuff and you're getting cable, I would say call me and let's become friends because apparently you are not struggling financially. I mean, it's just (laughs) crazy it is it is well we are in our penultimate episode of season one of ted lasso entitled all apologies and i'm going to give my one criticism of this episode up front that we did not get the nirvana song at least i didn't hear it maybe you did maybe i'm wrong but my heart is a little bit heavy because of the fact that we did not get that song in this episode
1: maybe they couldn't afford it maybe yeah (laughs) this is season one of a show you know true in the future maybe
0: if I'm making comments about how the action on the pitch during matches is not up to par, I'm pretty sure, you know, if that's a budgetary issue, I'm sure that Nirvana song cannot be uh, you know, used. And we can't yeah. sing it because we don't have the rights to it. We can't even hum <laughs> it. So go search it. Seek it out. Yeah, you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about and we will start in the treatment room of
1: this episode the haunted treatment room Well, no longer it's they no longer the
0: out. yeah it's no longer the cursed treatment room so it's just the treatment room however we enter it in the dark there's a television program happening i think it's a recap of the latest uh, fc richmond loss and in particular roy is the i guess i'm going to call him the scapegoat but the the uh, the, yeah. the television the the tv people are talking about the fact that uh, he did not do good and he happens to be in the room, listening inside correct me if I 'm wrong, Adam, is he in a garbage can
1: it looks it appears to be like a giant like recycling bin, like a blue okay. <laughs> bin that he has filled with ice and water, and he is completely submerged, um, which is you know not uncommon to do after a match, but not normally in a bin like that. I think there's usually a, a, a an appropriate sort of tub that they get into yeah so that's yeah it was a bit odd
0: (laughs) i think i think there was some metaphor going
1: on where he's
0: thinking (laughs) of himself as trash maybe yeah (laughs) exactly
1: i'm (laughs) trash somebody (laughs) doesn't say that but he might be thinking that
0: yeah it's an interesting contrast to see him and then have ted walk in being so optimistic like they just won the match when they actually didn't exactly yeah and yeah uh, they dialogue for a little bit and ted ends the conversation by saying i got your back Ain't nothing going to change that. And I I don't see Roy as feeling like he's having a changed heart at that point because he then dips right back into the icy cold bath right before (laughs) Rojas comes in. That's right. To do a little post pitch jog.
1: Happy as ever.
0: I I don't think anything phases that
1: kid. No, I just,
0: I don't think that does. I'm I'm glad it's it's kind of like a little baby Ted or a Ted from a different country at this point, (laughs) an international Ted. (laughs) And what's interesting is to see, and hear him sing, and how the tone of his song gets up to, I think, relatively the same note as the opening titles, and how it just bleeds right into that. It's a great way. Good cold open there.
1: Yeah, and I like uh, Ted's line where he says to Roy, You beating yourself up, with like Woody Allen playing the clarinet. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why. I don't know if there's something I need to know about Woody Allen playing the clarinet, but it's funny.
0: It is funny. And that that line i think is um one of many in this particular episode i found very funny. This this episode was definitely filled with a lot of great dialogue, which most of the episodes are i think we can admit that as you have probably heard with the amount of lines that i put in and post. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. in particular there were a lot of just creativity with each conversation. Yeah. And uh and so i was happy to just listen to it and watch it. Uh, I had to watch it twice so i can get my notes in so it was nice to be able to experience it twice and laugh at the same jokes both times so
1: and right before the the opening credits roy kind of goes back into the into the ice water you do hear the reporters talking about jamie tart's brilliant day Uh, for manchester city so i think that's interesting contrast clearly roy had one of his worst matches in a long time Mm -hmm. and to top it all off he's hearing the reporter's you know, talking about Jamie doing yeah, it.
0: pouring pouring salt in that wound exactly. Well, after the credits, we get back to the locker room and it's empty. There's no uniforms. This is really interesting. I I, I like the set here. It's very clean, uh, very symmetrical. There were a lot of symmetrical moments in mm-hmm. in this episode for me, and this is where Rebecca's getting her modeling on. Ted's reaction <laughs> to it is so fantastic. Doing his little poses and feeling like he should be a part of this, or just having some fun with that. Doesn't stop Ted from bringing his biscuits to the boss, which I thought was nope. great. It's not going to be denied that. And uh, it just creates some versatility. It's not just in her office. It's, it's a great way to let us know what time of day it is. Because if we assume that biscuits happen in the morning, he's going to find her. He's going to deliver those biscuits. Yep. He's more reliable than the U.S. Postal Service, I think, <laughs> if we could say that. <laughs> the scene also is a great reminder that Higgins did actually quit I had a question about that at the end of the last episode of like, did, did he really quit? And then, uh, Keely comes in as the morals police, <laughs> Yeah, it just becomes really awkward. Ted said something regarding the, uh, team and, and Rebecca says, yeah, I was really kind of heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. And Keely goes, were you really?
1: Yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Gentle <laughs> reminder. Higgins has been fired. And that, yes, Rebecca has done something terrible that she needs to apologize
1: for. Exactly. <laughs> and Ted even says to Rebecca that he thinks Higgins will come around. So, you know, just again, the, the uh, eternal optimist, Ted, uh, even after clearly something went down that he wasn't fully privy to, he still thinks Higgins, Higgins will come around.
0: So then we move to the, okay, I don't know what this room is. I called it the boot room.
1: That's what I wrote too in my notes. Uh, it's clearly just where all the what we would call cleats are are stored. But I guess they are don't they, keep. Are they some... stored there?
0: I, I don't. It's I... almost like a really bad Nike store. Like everything's yeah. dirty, and it's <laughs> yeah. it's just. I, I need to I need to research Someone's supposed that.
1: Supposed to clean them, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's what happens. Is the kit man goes through and just sprays them? It's almost like bowling shoes. Like you you give yeah. them back, and then you.
1: But that doesn't.
0: This is maybe a cultural thing. I just don't understand that.
1: Yeah, I would think that you would have your own boots or cleats in your foot locker in the locker yeah. room for, yeah. for that's your size. You take care of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, again, it could be clearly something that we're just not aware of here in the U.S. That I'm, does happen.
0: I'm taking a mental note to to research that, and hopefully, uh, I vow to come back on the next episode and have the answer. <laughs> I say that and it's yeah. probably not going to happen. I, I'm just going to edit that out. That's cool. <laughs> well as um as keely and rebecca are talking they're being a little confrontational and rebecca's like i don't want to apologize and Keely's like you have to and i'm paraphrasing obviously because there's some other great dialogue about hoops and things like that that don't really sound appropriate to say on the show <laughs> what i do want to point out is nate coming in awkward nate and making a really um unfortunate joke i know women like shoes but girls come on this is silly <laughs> sorry that was really sexist um i just wasn't expecting there to be anyone in here um but you are in here that's great take as long as you need yeah i'll go
1: and then just kind of backs his way out of the room you know (laughs) just leaves it's
0: such a great moment of comic relief to break up that tension and uh very very appropriate great little sandwich of of comedy right between these two moments of drama
1: yeah and rebecca was probably happy she's not happy that keely is confronting her about this she does not want to have to tell Ted what she did, or as she calls it, come clean. And I'm sure that Nate's interruption was a a, was a nice way to kind of change the subject and get get her out of that situation that Mm -hmm. she didn't want to be in.
0: Yeah, create a little distractor and you know, change the subject. What I thought was really interesting, and this is just really great writing, is that we know formulaically about these confrontations. We've seen them on other shows and movies where you have someone who's like, you need to fess up. You need to do this. Rebecca really is asking a question. Why do I need to do that? I mean, it's not affecting him at all. I don't need to tell him. And Keely makes it personal. She says it would change how I feel about you. And as we've talked about this on the show, we see how much her friendship means to Rebecca but now we see with that line how much Rebecca's friendship means to her. Wait, strike that, reverse it. <laughs> how we've seen how much Keely cares about Rebecca, but because of that, um, that line, we really get to see how Rebecca goes, oh wow, I could lose more than just my own <laughs> conscience at this point, which is probably bad enough right there. Right, so I thought that was right. a really great line to come across because it gave ownership beyond and accountability beyond just, oh, my lie is not affecting anyone. Yes, it is. Right. Your lie is affecting several people for different reasons. And right. uh, it was a great way to end that scene.
1: Yeah, especially because probably in Rebecca's mind, the photograph was never published, right? It was never mm-hmm. put out to the world. So she just feels like no harm was done. But clearly, Keely sees it differently. And I think this is the point where Rebecca realizes she's going to have to find a way to let Ted know she's still uncomfortable and who wouldn't be having to to fess up, but Mm -hmm. she's, she's going to do, she's going to find a way to do it.
0: Yeah. So then we drop into the press room and uh, Ted's sitting down, he's having his interviews, his press conferences like normal at this point in the season, not only in the soccer season, but in the first season of the show, we get to see really how much of a rapport he's built with the press room, which I think is really great.
1: It is. He makes that
0: great joke
1: oh how about trent Krim? and if memory serves you're from the daily planet yeah trent's Krim, the Independent. ah yeah that's the one okay what's your question trent and i love how trent doesn't laugh he just doesn't miss a beat like trent Krim, the independent he just but he grins a
0: little bit he's i think he grins bit. a little yeah. bit yeah
1: but he does correct him
0: <laughs> yeah what's what i like is that even with trent crim we see how he's has how ted has softened the press trent Krim acknowledges the fact that a lot of these younger players have gotten better under his watch. It doesn't say you've coached them well, just making the comment. And then he goes into talking about how Roy has been slow. He's, you know, he's not doing as well. And, you know, Ted being Ted, he's going to defend Roy. And this is, you know, part of that, I think follow-up where he says, um, you know, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to like, you know, I've got your back. Ain't nothing going to change that. And then, the, the scene ends with, you know, funny where Ted's like, you know, raise your hand if you're an introvert and yeah. <laughs> I, like, ah, I gotcha. You. you wouldn't have, you know, if you were an introvert, you wouldn't have done this. And so it's a nice little soft way to transition us over to Ted's office after the press conference, because the press were not the only people in the room. We also had Beard and Nate hearing what he's saying and <laughs> it's time to sit Ted down for a talk. Yeah, And so I love that they're not in his office. They're in this kind of outer lounge area. I don't know whose office that is, but he sits in this really comfortable, again, comfortable chairs. I brought this up yep. early in our show. I need some comfy chairs in my office like that. And of course they tell him you can't start Roy. You got to pull him out of the lineup.
1: Yeah. That is, that is not just one bad game that he's really starting to show his age. And this is a, this is an issue for the team going forward especially with their final match. So mm-hmm. they have they are looking at this in a very sort of serious and dire way that mm-hmm. clearly Ted is at this point not.
0: So I want to ask you a question because yeah. I was a little put off by Ted in this scene. He came across yeah. as a bit egotistical to me, like pulling out the head coach card. Like, mm-hmm. it's my decision. I'm going to make it. Of course, I paraphrased that. What did you think? Did you have that same kind of vibe or do you feel like Ted was justified making his decision what it was?
1: I think Ted was just being Ted in in that he is the optimist. As I said, he believes that and always has said that winning isn't necessarily the most important thing to him. And I think he's just still living by that, that for him, it's all about the people. It's all about the players and how they feel and how if they're having fun, if they're working as a team. So I think he was just being who he is, but he also wasn't seeing sort of the gravity of this very specific situation that if they don't, and we'll talk about this more later when there's another confrontation, but if they don't win this match, they get relegated and that's it. Then they basically lose everything. And that's a huge deal. And everyone gets affected by that, including Beard and Nate and everyone. So, it's a it's a it's an interesting scene because I don't think Ted is out of character at all, but he also isn't adapting to the situation, which I think both Nate and Beard are hoping that he will listen and be more willing to be to to hear what they have to say and consider it. And he clearly, at this point at least, he's not.
0: I think I agree with you on that. That. He is not being inconsistent, but he's not adapting. And up to this point, I don't think he's had to adapt. I mean, he's adjusted to being in England. He's adjusted to being the head coach of a football club, but we've never seen him have disagreements with Beard. And we know from what we've seen already that he and Beard have a great rapport with each other, that he is the motivator, Beard's the enforcer. And up to this point, it's worked. Yeah, but now we've got Beard and Nate. Let's let's acknowledge the fact that Nate is is really becoming part of the staff beyond just being the kit man. They're both in agreement. I do like the fact that Ted didn't get mad, but I think because of his optimism, and I forget how his wife described it his constant optimism or his I don't remember how she just but it's that kind of optimism that I think blinds him to the reality. Of what needs to be done on the field.
1: Yeah. And he says, guys, I'm not benching Roy. He's our captain. And I think a little bit of this is his loyalty to Roy. Because if you look back on the season so far, Ted probably wouldn't be, and the team wouldn't be where it is right now without Roy. Even if he's having difficulty and not performing as well as he was, he still is the captain. I think that's what Ted is trying to say that regardless of how he's playing, he's the captain and he's kind of the glue that holds this team together. And what would happen if we benched the captain? How would that look? Not just to the to the fans, but to his teammates. How would that affect the whole team? And again, I think that's sort of Ted's coaching style is what is in the best interest of the whole team. So he's right. he's clearly showing his loyalty to Roy and also looking at the sort of the greater impact of a decision like this but he needs to be more open and normally he is i think more open to sort of coaching by committee if you will you know kind of having the beard and Nate and and really anybody that has a good idea he's he's open to including that in his in his style
0: yeah, I, I would say that one of the exceptions is that we don't get to see the reaction of those who, or his staff in particular, we'll say Beard and Nate, yeah. when he does make executive decisions. So I don't recall, maybe because I was so immersed in the moment, when he benches Jamie, we never saw Beard get mad at him. We never saw Nate say anything at that point. I don't know if Nate had been as involved to see as he is now, but I don't know that I've, I ever saw him throughout this season make some of those major decisions and see the reaction or see the fallout of, right. of these two so i i definitely agree that he's not being inconsistent with his character but this is the first instance of more deliberate people over product yeah and as we'll find out later that gets challenged in a way that I actually agree with the opposite <laughs> as someone who loves Ted, yeah,
1: and maybe it's because the stakes are as I said much higher in this particular instance than they have mm-hmm. been in the entire season thus far, so right. that sort of changes the game, no pun intended, just because <laughs> there's there's a lot more riding on this on this particular decision, and you know Nate you know he is the kitman, but he's still like you said he's he's clearly having more conversations with Beard that we're not seeing behind the, that Ted's not privy to either. And for them to kind of be in sync, for Nate and Beard to be in sync about this uh, shows that Nate's much more involved than than we, we're probably aware of in sort of helping to coach. Yeah. Or strategize.
0: Yeah. So Ted gets a text from Rebecca saying, hey, I need you in my office. He leaves and then there's... <laughs> this throwaway line about getting paid to bite somebody in the butt. I think you paid someone to bite you. No, of course not. Oh, sorry. Ben paid. And it's just an awkward joke. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's, there's a, a handful of those in the, in this series where the, the, the j- jokes don't quite land a hundred percent the way I think they hoped they would.
0: Yeah. Which is fine. This is what happens yeah. when you write comedy. Yeah. Not every joke is going to be amazing. So then we get, to, we get to Rebecca's office, and there's this really interesting reversal of roles in terms of like how people are acting. You know, Rebecca is trying to tell Ted the truth. I noted that she's acting Ted-like, being distracted <laughs> by the word procrastinating. That's a good word, isn't it? Procrastinating. Pro Procrastinating. Yeah, I wonder what the etymology of that word is. I'm obviously, pro, very good, but crest, crest. I have no idea. Hey, why don't we look it up? Have you got a dictionary? Right, getting loud and making strange body gestures, and it's it's really funny because it it's is. so unlike her. It's it's the the fun Rebecca. I think that <laughs> that uh, sassy was telling us about in the previous episode, and right, it's just it's a lot of fun to watch her. And then she says, um, you know what? We can talk about this later. And Ted's not going to just say bye. What's he going to do? He's going to do everything in reverse, which. <laughs> I would do that
1: too. Yeah. He hits the rewind button. As he That's says. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he like moves backwards and talks backwards and yeah, heads kind of backs out of the doorway. Yeah, it's a, it's a great funny moment. And, and it's funny because Rebecca, you can see her almost getting the nerve up to just to run after him and actually tell him the truth. And as she does, she gets interrupted by Rupert. Oh gosh. And Rupert. just a horrible, devastating scene. Uh, I, I really felt for Rebecca in this scene. And you can see she's like holding back tears during this conversation because he basically shows up to tell her so she doesn't find out in the press that he and Bex are having a baby. Clearly, he never wanted one with her for whatever reason. Maybe he was too busy with work or he didn't want one specifically with her. But now he does for some reason. So this is just crushing to Rebecca, and and she has a uh, she gets really upset, and she said uh, uh, she has a great line where she says, oh, "You're mature enough, all right. You're nearly seventy, and you're having a baby. When your kid hits puberty, you'll be nothing but a pile of dust and a black Amex card." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, when when that kid is going off to college, he'll be eighty-eight years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It's a little late to be having a baby, but anyway, I think she's more just devastated because I think she probably wanted one, right? I mean, this is what we're I'm, are led to believe is that she married Rupert and maybe thought they might've had a kid together, but he, he didn't want one and she kind of went along with it and to, to see that he's moved on with a younger Rebecca <laughs> and now is having a baby. It's just, it's, it's really hard to watch
0: it really is and there are a couple of lines in here that just break my heart where he says i do want a child i suppose i i didn't want one with before i mean in the end it's just about being with the right person isn't it and i wanted to go into that scene and say rupert you jerk it's not <laughs> about that it's not about going through a buffet of like, oh, this person's going to make me happy. I mean, again, I'm going to get on my married soapbox if I'm not careful. If I'm not, you know, <laughs> carefully here, but man, what a jerk! And I'm going to say this, Adam. I don't think he was coming in to preempt something being in the paper. I think he legitimately wanted to make her upset.
1: Oh yeah, and wanted to see her reaction. Yes, at the you know very moment that she finds out, not to mm-hmm. you know see her in at some you know, public event a week after she finds out some other place, he wanted to, you know, twist the knife and he's so smug as well. He just, this is just, he's getting such a kick out of this. You can tell. And it's really, you know, he's just, if there's a, and if there's an evil character in the show, it is Rupert.
0: Yes. I don't think there's any likable qualities in him, except that he, curiously owns 2.9% of a club that I'd like to own a little bit of because <laughs> who wouldn't want to hang out in that box with Rebecca and Keely and all the fun people. He does make one redeeming line. He references Higgins as being a, a good guy. You know, wh- where is he? Oh, he's been fired. Oh man, I loved him. He was great. Except when he nibbled the top of a pin and yeah, thought yeah. that's funny. Huh, that seems like a little throwaway line, but Nope, as we'll find out later. And um, the scene ends with Rebecca sitting there just kind of mulling it over and I thought that this was kind of a two roads moment where she could be reinvigorated by revenge and then not tell Ted, but it motivates her to go into his office. I love the slow-mo effect. I think it's really good. Not really loving naked butts that we see in the locker room. I think that Uh, provides some, yeah. I was noticing
1: that too. (laughs) It doesn't deter her, though. She just marches right past those naked rear ends.
0: (laughs) Did you ever see the movie Major League? Oh, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the scene where she rolls in and everybody's just like, I'm too old to go diving into the lockers. Right. I felt like we were getting a little homage to Major League at that point, but just not uh, not as obvious.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so she goes into the office and she says, Ted, I need to talk to you. And he goes, oh, deja vu. And she goes, yeah. I'm well, I'm not going to say it because we need to keep the, the E off of our podcast, but she basically degrades herself and he goes, Oh, that's new. And then she goes into this really genuine apology. She explains what she did, all the little things that she set up the photographer. She got trick Krim to write an article, hoping that he would land based Ted and all these different things. And she said, I am so sorry. Here's the interesting thing, Adam, when she refers to the goodness of people she says all you good people so this wasn't really an apology just to ted i mean she realizes and i think we talked about this last episode or a couple episodes ago that people love her people care about her higgins cares about her keely cares about her ted cares about her and this is that moment absolutely where she confesses and admits maybe she's just like realizing yes there are good people out there that love me and care about me and this is worth more than stupid revenge that I'm trying to get to my ex-husband.
1: Yeah. She even mentions that she instigated the transfer of Jamie. And I think that's a a really key thing because uh, she made it seem like he was just recalled. And we didn't really know as viewers if that was true or not either, but now we do. Now we know that it was just yet another thing. As she says that she took every opportunity to sabotage him and the team so they would fail that any at any point in time that she has she saw an opportunity she took it and it's great to see that she just comes clean with everything and i just have to say ted's reaction while she's talking is amazing and this Mm -hmm. is an incredible performance by jason sudeikis here he he looks equally mad and hurt but also genuinely concerned for Rebecca at the same time. And that's, it's all like in his eyes and his expression. It's a, it's just a brilliant, a brilliant scene for Jason. And he just gets up and faces Rebecca and says, I forgive you. And that's it. You know, that's, she can't believe him. She can't understand why anyone would forgive her or anyone for the things that have, that she has done. He just replies that, Divorce is hard. It doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or if
0: you're the one who got left. It makes folks do crazy things.
1: And I think it's just the perfect thing to say in that situation because he's, he gets it more now than ever since he's going through his own divorce. And it just, they finally, I think, are on like a level playing field with one another. They get each other. They are both experiencing similar things. And I think this is the start of, this is really the start of their relationship. Now it's like right. we've, we've reset the clock in, in a way and everything and anything that happened in the past can stay in the past.
0: Yeah. He finishes that conversation by looking at her and saying you and me, we're okay. Yeah. And I think there's a little double meaning there in that yeah. their relationship is okay, but the thing that they're going through the divorce that, you know, we're okay together. We can get through this. And that just speaks to speaks volumes about the need for community and the need for each other. Yeah. Especially when you're going through something as rough as divorce. Uh, so I thought that was incredibly uh, therapeutic
1: yeah, <laughs> just and to he see is- her
0: come clean and have him respond the same way. And I, you know, I will say this. I like the fact that he gives a reason. Because yeah. we could we could see him as a savior, like oh yeah, he's going to be forgiving, yeah, because he's Ted, but he has reasons, as you mentioned, yeah. and and I I think we needed to hear that from him to make it sound more human, more relatable. Otherwise, I would ask the question, dude, that's yeah, I would understand if you wanted to quit or hold a press conference to just air all this out. And it goes beyond just his personality; it's about the fact that he really does understand.
1: Yeah, and he has one other really great line where he says this job you gave me has changed my life. And I thought that was really beautiful as well because it has changed Mm -hmm. his life and you can, you can see how it has changed his life for the better as you watch the show. And then he offers his hand to Rebecca to kind of, you know, as you said, when he says you and me were okay, he he offers his hand and she just reaches around him and grabs him and hugs him and cries. And it's just a really touching scene to see the two of them uh, put together this matter behind them and to be able to move on yeah
0: i was happy to see that however i was not happy to see what comes up next because not all things are roses for ted as no. we find out on the pitch and it starts with that <laughs> i laugh because i'm a child <laughs> but <laughs> the dialogue about throwing up and diarrhea i thought that oh, was yeah, pretty funny yeah and particularly when rojas says the buddy is a miracle you know yeah, just yeah. Like... Because so he thinks it's so impressive that that Sam can do both at the same time. Okay, done. We're not talking about that
1: anymore. I'll just say, Sam. Sam says, "Yeah, you know, food poisoning is no joke, and it's true. <laughs> I've had really bad food poisoning <laughs> where I've had to go to the hospital, and it is no joke. So I will, I will uh, second Sam's uh, comment there. But it, then we'll know. move on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know, you know, training starts." And we see him getting the cold shoulder from both Beard and Nate. I thought this is a really great shot uh, from a technical standpoint. That wide shot where he keeps trying to talk to Beard, and Beard just sidesteps him and sidesteps oh, yeah. him, and
1: uh, and he keeps asking this joke, like, "What yeah. does the British owl say?" And we never get to find out. <laughs> I was like, "What is it? What does it say?" <laughs> you have to Google it.
0: You should. <laughs> but he has this great line. He goes, uh,
1: So you're going to give me the cold shoulder and the silent treatment? That's a combo. Does it come with a medium drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then he turns That's to true. Nate to try to get him to answer the joke. And Nate runs away. Goes,
1: <laughs> oh, you going to do that move where you act like you don't hear me, and then you just walk away, huh? <laughs> <Yeah. It's...
0: laughs> what a great way to remind us that he's not on good terms with his stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's just really
1: fun. <laughs> and at one point, like uh, Beard is like all the way down to the other side of the Oh, I see what the you did the pitch, yeah. <laughs> and he's like standing as if he didn't move, like he just somehow teleported over there. It's 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 really great. It's a great uh, sort of just the way it's shot, yeah, and timed is really good.
0: It it feels very beard like for him to be far away and then near all of a sudden. I feel right. like he's kind of those char- one of those characters that can just be
1: right there, you know, wherever yeah, he's you always, least expect he's him. He's always <laughs> surprising you. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, in that in that scene, we do get some information. You know, Roy is struggling to do the uh, wind sprints. And Beard's actually close to Ted again, takes his glasses off. Like, things are serious. I'm taking my glasses off. If I take my hat off, I'm going to get crazy and start dancing. (laughs) But if I take my glasses off, you need to see that I'm serious. And Ted kind of realizes, okay, I've got to have a conversation with Roy. Yeah. So we know that's coming. And then we move to Rebecca's office briefly. And what does she pick up? The chewed pen. Another great way of writing. Love it. Absolutely love those little drops of, dialogue that actually means something.
1: I know, I know. It's just like and we just heard it maybe 5 minutes earlier. So it's mm-hmm. not like it was from an episode 5 episodes back where it we could have totally it could have been a throwaway line that we didn't even remember. Like it it's clearly top of mind so we're, we we can see that she's she has just made up with Ted. She is working in her office. She sees that she'd pen cap and you know, she's thinking about Higgins now and hmm, maybe maybe I have to do the same thing with higgins and yeah uh this is where the the title of the episode episode starts to emerge all apologies because she, yeah. clearly she's she's making the rounds <laughs> yeah and uh yeah you see her kind of drive up to him in his house and it's a really funny moment because she's kind of peering through the front window of his living room and you see him i think it's i think he's playing the cello Mm -hmm. He has he's grown a goatee, which I think he refers to as a Van Dyke named after the 17th century Flemish painter. (laughs) And uh, and she like scares him because he you know, he doesn't expect someone to be like spying on him through the window. She startles him. And uh, yeah, it's just he looks really weird, though, with that (laughs) that beard, that goatee beard that he has.
0: Yeah, I think what makes this scene great um, is I'm going to just throw some props to the sound editing and sound mixing team is she sees the chewed pin and the scene changes to her pulling up to the driveway in her fancy car. And the background music is like this kind of ominous, you know, bass, whatever. Yeah. And we realize, no, it's not the soundtrack. It's Higgins playing the cello. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't even know that. Oh, that's so great. And uh, the scene ends with him because we come back to it, but that particular yeah. scene ends with him, you know, really getting into it before he, Rebecca scares him going, yeah. Like, he's just really feeling the cello at that point. He's
1: rocking out with the cello, yeah.
0: (laughs) And then we cut to the stands, uh, which almost is uh, reminiscent of the opening credits. Roy's sitting in the middle of the stands, and Ted, like only Ted can, sits right next to him. This empty stadium, and Ted's, like, right there, just completely making it awkward.
1: And these are, like most bleachers, the seats are small and cramped, so he's like, you know, they're just pressing up against each other there's no there's no breathing room between them whatsoever
0: yeah and i think he makes a line make a comment about you know that's where his ticket said he needed
1: right. to go or something
0: And roy's just like not having it and then we get the hard conversation where ted like rebecca is beating around the bush i think this is one of the all apologies i'm sorry i have to mention yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of going to read into that a little bit but then it leads to roy exploding and he's. Oh, yeah he calls ted out for not having his back he doesn't call him out for not starting but not having his back and i thought that was really interesting because not that we don't think roy never listens, but that he feels betrayed lied to and i think for ted that feels very real because yeah. he sits there at the end and just just really kind of ponders that like oh gosh but we realize he hasn't told him he hasn't said We were benching you. He said, We're thinking about changing things up. And before he could actually say that, Roy completely explodes on it. Well, and
1: I think that shows that Roy is aware that he's not performing the way he has been in the past and he's having difficulty training. He's out of breath. He's in pain. He's, you know, taking soaks and bins of ice i mean he's not performing like these younger players are or like he used to be so he i think is almost waiting for this conversation he's expecting it to happen so just the fact that ted sits down next to him in private well not out in the, they're out in the open but yeah. <laughs> you know to have a, a private conversation without other mm-hmm. players around i think he he knows what's coming but he doesn't want at least not yet he doesn't want to admit that he isn't the player that he once was. He he's still hanging on to the the his kind of glory days, if you will. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to accept that maybe his body isn't living up to, you know, the 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 younger players that he's coaching. That one that he's the team captain of.
0: Yeah. This uh, this episode reminds me a lot of episodes of The West Wing, where we have, in the episode itself, we have what are across several episodes of The West Wing, where you have multiple plots, plot A, plot B, plot C, different situations going on, some getting resolved, some not, some starting, some stopping. And I feel like in these scenes, we get the start of conversations and then the resolution of conversations. They're not all threaded together. So we go from... Higgins house and the startle to the stands. And then we move to Higgins house. And the next scene is Keeley's house where we find that resolution with Roy to an extent, or at least furthering that we'll get to that in just a second. But I thought that was really interesting how the, I don't know if the writer does that, if they structure the scenes that way, I think they do. But I thought that was a really great way to kind of leave us in some fun suspense of like, okay, what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next. I thought that was a, a clever way to do it instead of just giving us full full meals of these scenes of resolution and progressing the, the plot lines
1: yeah and i think that's partially because the writer wants to be able to change locations throughout in the okay. case of Higgins and rebecca they they are in fact in the same location we kind of cut away but it also shows that these things are happening simultaneously i think that's kind of okay. the, yeah. the uh one of the the purposes for that type of of cutting is that we're supposed to see okay while rebecca and higgins are having their conversation ted and roy are also having their conversation if if the scene comes to resolution all you know in one in one at one time like some of them sometimes do then we just kind of move on to the next scene chronologically, right? So yeah. it's just yeah, it's, it's interesting. They, but you're right in this episode in particular. There's a lot of things happening and a lot of jumping around.
0: Yeah, and I think to your point, you're you're right. There's there's the creating of some simultaneousness happening, like yeah. a lot of stuff happening at once. So so good on. I'm I'm taking like mental notes. Like all right, okay, <laughs> if I'm going to write a scene or if I'm going to write a, an episode of something, I need to I need to capture some of this. We move back to Higgins house uh, and the transition music is yet again, the cello music of him, not, not (laughs) doing, he's just plucking at this point. (sighs) And it just fits perfectly. I, I, again, I thought it was background music to transition us, but it's him plucking the cello. And uh, as you pointed out, he's got that terrible facial hair. And he, the the line that that you alluded to he says it's called a Van Dyke after the seventeenth century Flemish painter, oh. and I think it makes me look how I feel chill
1: <laughs> yeah and 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 Rebecca says, Well, what does mrs. Higgins think of it and he says,
0: she hates it with a white hot intensity <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Rebecca oh, laughs man. at that, which I think yeah. is good. that means that they you know they're they're already starting to. To make up here Mm -hmm. and and she comes clean to higgins and tells tells him first off that she told ted everything that she has done and he's rather i think surprised i think he was not expecting that at all and then she essentially apologizes to him for involving him in her whole charade that was not appropriate that she kind of brought him into it so it seems like this is yet another apology and resolution of two characters in this episode.
0: Yeah, this is starting to feel like a finale to me.
1: It is, yeah. Like, oh, this is going to be happy. And yeah. I
0: think this is about 15 minutes into the show. And I'm like, are we going to get a match? <laughs> uh, exactly. Because this doesn't sound like it's going to be. And But at this point, I don't really care because I'm like, I love all the resolution. Yeah. She, uh, she says, I lost my way for a minute. Mm. but I'm on the road back and Higgins responds I can tell you know what suits you i like that beard oh oh. sorry that too <laughs> and they both start <laughs> laughing <laughs> says, I had to do that so, yeah it's I, I think what what I love about that is it really personifies their relationship of being sort of sarcastic with each other but this time around it's really more about a a friendly understanding and they just they can be friendly with each other and, and say those things without feeling like oh when she says that what does she really mean so i, I think that's kind of cool that they have have that kind of relationship
1: yeah then we cut to uh, keely's house where we first see roy's niece uh phoebe i think is her name and she's like listening to headphones sitting at the table and the background we see roy and keely and they're having a conversation and and it's a really interesting scene because, well, first of all, anytime that you see Roy and his niece together is a- a- a entertaining and funny because they have a great relationship. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Roy is basically feeling down on himself and has sort of is seeking um, advice from Keely. And Keeley's, like, super excited that he actually wants to share his feelings and talk about what he's, like, really thinking about because it's not something that I think comes easy for Roy (laughs) as a character. And uh, they have a great conversation where he explains that, that Roy has always been a soccer player, football player, and that's kind of who he is and all he's ever been. And he doesn't know how to be anything but that. So if he gets... Like, what, what is he then? Why, what, who's Roy Kent? And uh, there's a great scene where in this scene, great moment where, where uh, Phoebe comes over and Keely asks Phoebe to kind of close her eyes and describe her uncle Roy. And she says all these great things about him.
0: Well, he's my uncle. His beard is scratchy. He buys me ice cream. He swears a lot.
1: He's really funny, and I love him. But not once does she mention him being a footballer, as Keeley calls it. And I think that really helps Roy see, or at least pushes him a little bit in the direction of understanding that he is much more than just a footballer. And he can be more than that going forward.
0: I also like that when Phoebe gives that list of things, They're not all things that Uncle Roy is for her. But I like the fact that none of those things are really connected. Yes, none of them mention football, but they're all things that she observes and that she knows are true, like observations. He buys me ice cream. There's nothing false about that. She has seen him pay for ice cream. She knows he has a scruffy beard. She knows he swears a lot. And then Keely finishes off that conversation by saying, all that matters is what you think about Roy Kent and that gets him into pondering mode. And then we're at the pub where (laughs) hopefully we'll find some resolution to the, the, you know, Ted's relationship with beard. And maybe we do here, but maybe we don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's an interesting cut because it cuts to a chess board and in the background, you see beard kind of watching a, a game of chess unfold and it's his old girlfriend playing a game of chess with some other dude. <laughs> so he's just like staring at them from across the pub uh, while waiting for <laughs> Ted to arrive. And it's a little little creepy, I guess. Yeah. But uh, that's, you know, that's weird.
0: I love that the triplets, uh, the triplet yeah. fans are there to comfort him. and yeah, they're trying to cheer <laughs> him up. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um... He offers, Roy. I think he's got like three pints in front of him. I don't know if, I don't know if Ted's supposed to drink those three or if they're going to share, but (laughs) clearly Beard understands the gravity of what Ted had to do today or what he attempted to do and failed to do. Because when Ted tells him that he chose not to, or he didn't tell Roy that he was going to binge him, Beard's face just completely changes. And then he loses it.
1: Damn it, it is!
0: First time that we see Beard... I think he's in a hat.
1: He is in a hat, although it starts to kind of like ride up on his head yeah. as he gets so he's more getting, angry. He's <laughs> yeah. getting crazy
0: beard. That's what it is. Yeah. The, yeah. My theory is, gonna, I'm telling you, my theory's out there. It's going to be true.
1: It is. And then
0: he goes, I understood this mission. We were in Kansas, but those were kids and these are professionals and winning does matter to them. And it matters to me. And that's okay. The, those, last three, those last three words, and that's okay, were probably what got me on beard side. Yeah. Because all the other things that he said were true. These aren't college kids. These are professionals. They make money doing this. This is their livelihood. And winning does matter to them.
1: Yeah. Although I I do feel before Beard blows up, I believe it was before Ted does say he feels that if he benches Roy, it would humiliate him and affect his livelihood. And at that point, I'm kind of on team Ted. I'm kind of like, yeah, I get you. Uh, you're, you're sticking by your, your, your team's captain. You're, and you're, you know, I would say friend, right. They become friendly and you're, I kind of get where Ted's coming from at this point, but then when you just loses it, then I'm like, okay, now, now I see the other, the other side of the coin, especially when he mentions how, if they lose this match, that they will be relegated. And as he says, they will, they will have built nothing. And I think that's a really key moment for Ted, too. For me as the viewer, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay, so then all of this really would have been for nothing. Everything that Ted did, he would be shipped back to the U.S. and and uh, to, to coach somewhere else. And it really would have been an unsuccessful adventure in England for him. And yeah. I think Beard wants to try to salvage this opportunity that they had by winning this one match so they don't get relegated. Yeah,
0: I mean, and I, I think success to Beard is different than it is to Ted, but I don't think it's in conflict. And I think that's what this conversation brings to light is that you can, you can be a mentor to these people, to these men, but you don't have to sacrifice being good. And this is something really that I struggle with as a, as a soccer coach for a, rec, a recreational team. I have nine-year-olds who I confess are just nuts. And the the coach that was there before I took over, it's all volunteer stuff, by the way. He didn't discipline them that well. And so they kind of ran right over him. And so I've had to, in the last two practices, say, I don't mind running you guys the whole time if you're not going to listen. And it's frustrating because I don't want to be crazy beard on the pitch with these parents looking at me because these are kids. And I, I stress... All the time, how much I want them to have fun, but they've got to listen because every Saturday, when they get killed like eight nil, that's not going to be fun. And so I'm almost willing to just say, All right, I'm going to do what I can at practice. If you don't listen, then I'll just put you in and we'll hope for the best. And when you get killed, I'm okay with saying, Do you guys want to get better? Do you guys want to be competitive? So I'm going through these scenarios all in my head and I'm, I'm listening to this conversation that these two are having and I'm going, You can have both. Like, I, my heart is with Ted, but when I'm coaching these guys on the pitch and I'm frustrated, I'm like, my head's with Beard, okay? <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah. uh.
1: I, I agree. I, I feel for Beard here, and and then he gets up and he says,
0: and if you want to pick a player's feelings over a coach's duty to make a point, I don't want to drink with someone that selfish.
1: And again, I'm like, mm, he's kind of got, got something there, you know? He's got a point. He's got a really good point, and... It's funny because then he, he kind of walks over to the his girlfriend playing chess and she's like really turned on by the way he stood up to Ted and and kind of gets up with him. And then I love how he like moves one of the chess pieces on the board and just says, She's been torn with you. Checkmate. Mate. <laughs> and they leave together. So I guess they're back together now that's all it takes beard has a a, a a strange way with women it seems or with this woman this woman yeah this particular yeah. woman i haven't yeah. seen him with
0: others but we no. know that he's had a stable of women according yeah. to his conversation with ted yeah i think there was a slight wardrobe malfunction too because when he puts the jacket on it doesn't quite fit him i don't think he's adjusted it yet when he leaves so
1: oh i didn't notice that
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, I watched it twice: once for my own entertainment, once for the notes. But right. I noticed, oh, that jacket either doesn't quite fit, or he didn't put it on quite completely.
1: <laughs> maybe he because he maybe it's in character. He was so frazzled by standing mm. up to his friend, to Ted, and you yeah. know, blowing up at him that he just like he couldn't even uh, manage to put on his his jacket <laughs> correctly. Yeah, I, I have to look at it again now because I didn't notice that. <laughs>
0: little nuggets there. You're giving me little like movie and TV show nuggets. I'm giving you like, Hey, watch this
1: nugget. (laughs) You're really good at spotting like details. Yeah.
0: I got a lot of time on my hand.
1: And then it it cuts to, I guess later in the evening or in the day where you see Ted kind of, he's clearly he's, he's drunk. I would say kind of leaving the pub and he's kind of still drinking actually outside (laughs) and finishing his beer. And he, he starts to walk home. But he almost gets hit by a car, and and, and then you see a hand, like, grab him, like, kind of block him from stepping onto the street, and it's Roy. Clearly, Roy has uh, been looking for Ted. They go back to Ted's place, which I think is, like, just... half a block away yeah it's within walking distance it's super close so they uh roy i guess takes ted back to his place but he doesn't quite seem that drunk back in his place so that's the one continuity uh issue that i have with this episode
0: i think he was buzzed but i think that that car that he was about to get hit by kind of woke him up a little bit
1: maybe and um
0: you know this scene starting with that had some great little throwbacks to in-jokes earlier in the season and moments. So that was, in my mind, a callback to, I think, the second episode where Beard protects Ted because he's kind of distracted with everything that's going on. It's their first day to, to be the coaches. And then they get back to the apartment. And what's Ted doing? Well, he's got his fingers in the peanut butter jar. He's yeah. eating it and offering it to, to Roy. So that comes back. The tea joke about how terrible it is comes back, and then even the big dummy poo poo face <laughs> comment that he made a couple of episodes prior—it's all just like let's just throw all these jokes back in there. Yeah. That's good stuff, but they're appropriate. They make a whole lot of sense. They're not just there for just for laughs, although they're there for that too. But
1: it's good stuff. Yeah, some funny lines about ice cream. Ice cream's the best. It's kind of like seeing Billy Joel perform live. You know, it never disappoints. Mm-hmm. It does give me the toots though. Ice cream, not Billy Joel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is also uh, one of those rare scenes that can incorporate the Carlton.
1: I, I and, was going to uh, say, yeah. yeah. He starts doing the Carlton, and I love Roy just stares at him, says, I never know how
0: to react when a grown man does the Carlton in front of me.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know what to do either. Yeah, But he does a pretty decent uh, Carlton. I,
0: I it's good. It's good. I, I, give it a, I give it an 8 out of 10. And he is right. If you saw the Carlton being done as a silhouette behind a curtain, you would know exactly what that was. And I think all this stuff is sort of a warm up to what we're really about to hear, which is this kind of tamer version of the hard conversation that both Ted and Roy need to have. There's um, this idea of Roy recognizing that he's got to give up what he loves, not the game, but give up control of the game in, in sort of a light way. His arrogance is on full display because he talks about not wanting to play in America. where I
1: Dominate, by the way. They'd be
0: like, oh. Is this football then? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really interesting to see that Roy's not losing who he is as a result of mulling over this choice. I mean, he's closer to deciding he's like at the 50 to 60 percent mark. Like if there's a if there's a range where he was definitely not gonna be pulled, now he's leaning more towards I don't know, which is a great win for Ted because I think Ted has had a couple of scenes, you know, with Beard. And kind of experiencing all this stuff that he realizes, you know what? I need to recognize that Roy is giving up something, mm-hmm. but that he is one of 11, as he said about Jamie, he's not one in a million. And so even though he doesn't make that speech, I think he's hinting a little bit at that by saying indirectly that doing what's best for the team will make you who you are. And he gives him some outs. He says, look, you've been injured on and off throughout the season. Why don't you just say you're hurt? And Roy doesn't want to do that. I think in his mind, he knows that this is probably his last game. And yeah. it's a game that matters. It's a game where he wants to be significant. But taking a back seat is something that would be hard for anybody, especially the captain. And there's a reason why yeah. he's the captain. But this is one of those things where Ted is challenging him to embrace the captain's role by not doing the obvious thing of right. staying in there.
1: And I think he's really close. I think he's actually made his mind up that he's going to not play, but he just hasn't decided how he's going to handle it yet, right? Like, is he going to pretend he's injured and not even show up? Or is he going to sit there and be part of the team and just not play? And I think he's still, that's where he's—he not hasn't, he hasn't made up his mind yet. But I think just him showing up at Ted's to continue that conversation shows that the realization is there that yeah i'm too old i'm too slow i'm just not i'm not who i once once was and i have to accept that
0: so this the next day we're in rebecca's office and this is just a really great reunion between this trio of characters that we've uh, grown to love ted rebecca and higgins higgins is kind of business as usual but there's a demeanor between him and rebecca they're kind of working out some things and she's kind of grinning a little bit and then ted walks in and he's surprised to see higgins gives yeah. rebecca her biscuits and then he gives higgins what are supposed to be treats for trent crim's daughter granddaughter yeah.
1: his daughter who's turning three yeah.
0: yes yes and there's just this back and forth where i think he's really excited to see higgins and so we don't know if he's lying until the very end about yeah. them really being for for her birthday and we find out that they were
1: based on the uh the decorations yeah on them they were for a little girl
0: <laughs> yeah but i think there's an inscri- inscription where because rebecca says something about
1: maybe he thinks you're silly and playful and mysterious sure mm-hmm.
0: But again, it it starts and that whole scene starts and ends with Rebecca and Higgins just sort of sharing a little banter with each other. Yeah, and it's it's very very sweet, very uh, fun. It's like, oh man, this this is this is not a hostile work environment anymore, and I'm right, excited right. that it's not.
1: And 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 Higgins shaves off his Van Dyke, which is <sighs> the most important thing. Yes, now I'm wondering yes. was that was that a fake Van Dyke? Was that a prosthetic mustache uh, and I'm, beard?
0: I, I'm pretty or... sure it is. Answer me this. I, I don't. I haven't read anything. Jason Sudeikis' uh, mustache—is it
1: real? I believe it is. Yeah, I've seen pictures okay. of him. You know, photographed off set where he has a mustache. So, okay. I, I believe most of the time, unless he's had to shoot something else and had to do a Henry Cavill esque thing, <laughs> where they
0: don't do that. <laughs> don't don't bring that up. That's just wrong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I believe uh, most of what we're seeing is is legit Sudeikis. Stash,
0: good deal, good deal. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing but the best, nothing but real for me when it comes yeah. to the Sadeka stash, the Ted <laughs> stash. <laughs> yeah. And I almost wonder. One more thing, I, I noticed this as I-, I tend to notice small things. When Ted's going through that whole banter with Higgins, and Rebecca's kind of grinning, I think she gives him the finger with her. You know, she scratches her her cheek, oh. but I think she does this thing with her finger where she either subliminal subliminally gives him the finger maybe she doesn't intend to i don't know maybe maybe she's just kind of being like oh stop being ted for a minute you crazy you know it's, it's a good thing it's not like she's yeah. mad, but I, I there's i think she's giving him the finger
1: subliminally it, Sublim- that word's <laughs> lost all meaning
0: <laughs> procrastination <laughs> what's, the, what's the etymology of that word <laughs> <laughs> so the last scene of the episode uh we're in the locker room Ted uh, walks out. There's this uh, really cool moment with him and Beard, and he goes, Coach? And Ted goes, Coach? Like, okay. They've seen the empty locker. They know, okay, the decision's been made. And then Nate comes in, and (laughs) Ted's about to give this great speech, and Nate goes, I know now's not the best time, Coach, but I have been feeling physically sick since walking away from you the other day. Plus, last night I had a horrible nightmare that was pecking you to death like a crow.
1: I'm so sorry. It's okay, Nate. We're all good in the hood. Oh, yeah. but hey but do me a favor try to apologize to me in your dreams so we're good on that side thanks too oh yeah of course thanks. Yeah, the oh, dream yeah, world man. has to be you know uh just as uh in sync with the real world
0: mm-hmm. and then as he's uh he's starting his speech in comes roy yep slowly not slowly but just kind of casually going toward his locker and uh he puts on that uh second team penny yeah and we know that he's made the decision and he says can i say something <laughs> And Ted goes, yeah, absolutely. He goes. Second team's gonna kick first team's f- asses today. And it's it's wonderful. It's it's really cool to see that Roy has accepted what needs to be done. Acknowledges his way to serve the team, mm-hmm.
1: and um, that he still has a role to play. But yes. it just it's just a different role, and that's yeah. okay.
0: And I want to tell you this, Adam. Uh, the episode ends mm-hmm. with the credits as usual. This viewing, the latest viewing, my notes taking viewing. Yeah. I noticed that the credits don't fade to black. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. So we're in the locker room and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. They're we're getting to see kind of the inner workings of the players getting ready and you know, Nate's putting out the towels for when they come back, and that's cool. And you know, Roy's getting his the rest of his gear on. I didn't notice what happened next. Roy goes up to the believe sign and touches it.
1: Yep. Very gently. Oh Yeah. And he's the last one. Everyone else has left the locker room. So it's interesting that he waited. He could have done it for everyone to see, but he did it when the room was empty. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a post-credit scene in a Marvel movie. You know, it's a stinger. this little end note where he touches that sign just for himself. Mm -hmm. And it shows that he believes. (sighs) And something about Ted Lasso has rubbed off on Roy Kent. And that's, a pretty impressive thing.
0: Really is. That first domino has fallen. Yep. And now the the team is ready to play Man City
1: with Jamie.
0: home of Jamie Tart. Dude, dude, dude. Oh man, well that will wrap up this penultimate episode of an original series. Not the penultimate episode of our actual podcast, but of right. this first season of Ted Lasso. If you don't know what penultimate means, I've said it way too much already. Go look it up. Great word. (laughs) It's a great word. It's a great word. And it, uh, yeah, it's just really good. Adam, (laughs) I don't have to ask, but I will. What's coming up
1: next. We're going to cover episode 10, which is the season finale entitled the hope that kills you. So we're going to see what happens, how this all wraps up. And I'm, I'm really excited. This is, this was a great episode, but I I, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get to see a match in the final
0: <laughs> and that it doesn't look weird <laughs> but yeah I, I i think it might just because you know it's a lower budget for first season so i'm gonna i'm <laughs> right. gonna be willing i'm gonna forgive it is what i'm gonna do yeah i think we will definitely know for sure that rebecca and rupert will be cheering from the press bo- or from the owner's oh, box
1: yeah the owner's box Yeah,
0: and that for once everybody wearing an fc richmond jersey or apparel is cheering for fc richmond for good reasons.
1: <laughs> and did we ever get resolution on whether or not they opened up those unsold ten thousand seats to to Man City?
0: Well, I guess we'll find out next week yeah. to see how many Man City fans are in the stands. Yeah, at Greyhound Stadium. I think that's what it's
1: called, Greyhound Stadium.
0: Yeah, I don't think we mentioned what the mascot is. It's the Hound, right? It's the Richmond Hounds. Yeah.
1: we okay. don't really talk about it that much. So yeah, it's that's an interesting note for sure. Well,
0: everyone, thank you for tuning in. As always, we are always glad to know that we're talking to more than just each other. <laughs> and we hope that you've enjoyed the conversation. I'm Patch. He's Adam. And we are out of here.